Well, welcome to Church Online, and we thank you for joining us on this second Sunday of Advent. We're so blessed. We're going to be celebrating love and all that love means to us. Of course, last week we celebrated hope and thought about Jesus Christ as the hope of the world. And we're grateful whether you're joining us uh, online or on Facebook Live or on uh, many different uh, ways that people can join Willow Park Church in our dwell groups and so on. We're happy that you've joined us and are willing to worship with us. It takes, it takes real focus to switch everything off and to sit and to engage in an act of worship in the way that you are. And can I encourage you that God really does want to speak to you and minister to you. And whatever you're facing in life, he loves you. He cares for you. Love is a beautiful thing. Of course, we know that famous text in 1 Corinthians 13, that love is patient and love is kind. That love does not envy. It's not jealous. It does not boast. It is not arrogant. It is not self-seeking. It does not dishonor others in the way that they speak. It does not keep a record of wrong or isn't easily angered. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Love is always hopes. It always perseveres. It always trusts. It always protects. And as we worship now, focus on the love of God that can make such a difference. Let me pray. Father, thank you that we can celebrate the love of God in the world and we can celebrate the grace. And Lord, as we worship together, wherever we are, may a very strong sense of your Holy Spirit come and start to speak to us clearly, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
We light the second candle of Advent as we think about the love of God. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Love. The scripture is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but can receive everlasting life. It's the love of God that reaches out to us. It's the love of God that saves us. It's the love of God that makes such a difference in our lives. It's the love of God that gives us the light of Christ that shines within us. That verse, so well known, John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. And maybe you don't realise how much God actually cares for you and loves you. Let's pause for a moment when we're thinking about love and take communion. And as we take communion, remind ourselves of the love of God expressed through Christ's death upon the cross. When Christ was was hanging on the cross, his arms were stretched out to the left and to the right. What was he actually doing? He was reaching out to grab the hand of God and he was reaching out to grab the hand of mankind. And he brought the two together. And when he said, it is finished, literally, God and man could now be reunited in fellowship, in intimacy, and that man can now walk again with God. It's incredible. It's glorious. And it happened only because his body was broken. So, Father, we thank you that this bread reminds us of the body of Christ that was crushed and broken for our iniquities, that took the pain and the punishment upon himself so that we could be forgiven and free. You went through hell, to hell, and back again, so we would never need to, that we have been forgiven. And so we thank you for this, Lord. The body of Christ, broken for you. Eat it in remembrance. I love the Bible. I love to read it from cover to cover. I love to understand how it all connects. And in the book of Genesis, there's a story after what we call the fall of Cain and Abel. And we know the story that there we experience in the Bible the first recorded murder. When Cain kills his brother. There's an interesting verse there. It says... The blood of Abel cried out vengeance. Interesting. I want to take you forward thousands of years to the blood of Jesus, who himself was sacrificed wrongly, but nailed upon the cross because it was God's will. And his blood fell on the ground. And do you know what his blood said? What his blood spoke? His blood didn't cry out vengeance. His blood cried out forgiveness. Father, forgive them. That's true love. True love is to lay down your life for another. And this is the blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world and cries out forgiven. Drink it in remembrance of him. And so, Father, as we continue to worship, take us to that sacred place 
to that place of intimacy where, Lord, we know your closeness and your embrace, I ask. Amen.
Thank you so much. Was that amazing? Just the sense of God's presence and celebrating all that Christ means to us. Well, we're now going to watch Willow One News and then hear the message and really pray that God will speak to you through the word as it's preached. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here is your family news. Our church continues to watch and follow health guidelines from the BC government in regards to COVID-19 and what that means for in-person church services. However, we are still hoping that we can bring the sights and sounds of living nativity to neighborhoods across Kelowna and Lake Country. We have a few volunteer spots available for carolers, mannequins, and set-up crew members. You can sign up to volunteer online at willowparkchurch.com volunteer. Also, as part of our Gift of Christmas initiative, we are giving out stockings to people in our community who are vulnerable this Christmas season. We are so thankful for all of you who picked up stockings last week. We still have a few stockings that need to be filled, and you can pick them up at any of our three locations today from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Also, please remember that next Sunday is the deadline for dropping off the filled stockings. We also want you to know that we are trying to find a safe way for people to volunteer downtown and hand out hot chocolate and socks to people in our downtown community. Watch our website for updates at willowparkchurch.com slash gift of Christmas. Did you know that we offer a free subscription box for all of our Willow Park kids to enjoy? Inside, you will find crafts, activities, family challenges, and more that make Kids Church Online just a little more fun and interactive. What's even better is we deliver the box right to your door once a month. Registration is now open for our winter box subscription, and you can sign up today on our website. Please note that even if you signed up for our previous fall boxes, you will need to re-register for the winter boxes. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com slash kidsbox. Christmas Eve is only 18 days away. We are so hopeful that we will be able to gather in person. And if so, in Kelowna, we will be gathering together at Highway 33 on Christmas Eve with seven service times to choose from, which you can attend in person or online. New this year is that we will be offering three special family-friendly services in the gym at Highway 33 at 1, 2.30, and 4.30, which we are calling Messy Church. You can register for one of those kid-friendly services by selecting one of the Messy Church options on the registration form. In Lake Country, we will be having two Christmas Eve services at 2.30 and 4 in the community gym at George Elliott Secondary School. You can register today for any of our Christmas Eve services at willowparkchurch.com slash Christmas Eve. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Hello, Willow Park Church South family. Glad that you can be here this Sunday morning with me at our 9 a.m. and at our 11 a.m. service. We're excited that... Uh, we get to do this together. Um, for those who don't know me, I am Pastor Jeremy Crow, and I am the associate, and I look after the Lake Country campus, uh, and I'm glad to be here with you speaking uh, to you guys this Christmas season. This is an awesome time to be gathering together, to be uh, hearing about Christ. This is what we come to do uh, this season, to share his message with those that we know and love, and so we're excited this Sunday morning. This Sunday, we are still giving out stockings. And so if you're going to come down here at the, to the South Campus, there's 23 left. Nicole will be out there. She'll be willing to give you a stocking. And if you filled a stocking and you want to drop it off, you can drop it off here. And Nicole will be here to receive those filled stockings. And so there's 23 left. I'm, we are speaking live here at the 9 a.m. service. If you're watching the 11 a.m. service, 
it, there's a two-hour delay. And so hopefully there's still stockings at that time. If you're really desperate, you can go down to 33. There's stockings still there. If you're really, really desperate, you can go all the way to Lake Country, go to my house, pop in to my garage, see our, all of our wonderful things in our garage, and grab a, one of our five stockings left. I can't guarantee they're going to be there either by the time you get there. But at least you get a nice drive out to Lake Country. So, this Sunday, we are continuing our series, God With Us. Um, we're in the last month of 2020. I could hear all the clapping and cheering. It was so loud from your homes that it literally resonated within this gym here. Uh, 2020 has been something that we can never imagine, something that we can never even fathom. It's been quite the year, and I'm going to take a trip down memory lane. I don't, I'm not sure if these are good memories. They're actually not good memories. But let's, let's visit some of the things that have happened this year. And just to remember, what, you know, what has taken place? We've got first Kobe Bryant. The death of Kobe Bryant. You're like, what does this mean to me? This is huge for our culture. Kobe, he was young. I can remember on Sunday after service, I was in the foyer at, uh, in the gym in Lake Country, and I looked at my phone and just, it just was filled with Kobe Bryant has passed away in a tragic helicopter accident. Not only that, his daughter and multiple people that his daughter was connected with through their basketball, basketball team. Extreme sad event. At that moment, we thought that was huge. But then the year continued. I almost forgot about this. This is how unbelievable the events of this year have been. This happened right when our lockdown began to happen here in Canada. And this was the shooting in Nova Scotia. A terrible, tragic event that took many, many lives. And it's amazing that, not amazing, but it's unbelievable that this has happened. And I almost forgot about it in the midst of everything that's taken place in 2020. Also, Dust bunnies. No, I'm just kidding. This is uh, COVID-19. Uh, this is the, the picture that we've seen to describe the virus. COVID-19 has turned our world upside down. It's been unbelievable uh, to th- think about what we're going through this year. Um, a pandemic. All the changes that it's made. The fact that you're sitting right now, right now in your pajamas because we can't gather here on Sunday. That everywhere we go, we have to wear masks. It's, it's unbelievable that this has taken place, but it has. And we're still in the midst of it. And then, of course, we've had our civil unrest. Politics, Black Lives Matter, racism. This has been a huge, huge part of the story of 2020. And it's caused much division, much pain. And, of course, last but not least, murder hornets. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm actually surprised that this didn't take off as much as it did. You know, we were like, we heard of these murder hornets coming, and they were like, yeah, it's 2020, of course they're going to come. But it actually never came to fruition that much here in BC. And so, praise the Lord. I know we're thinking 2020 is not, is still happening, but it is winter, so we should be okay. So we've called this a year that we'll never forget. My kids will never forget this. And we think this is just 2020, but this is... uh, realization of events that have constantly happened in our history. Let's look back even further, past before 2020, to some previous things that have happened. We've had 9-11. What a terrible moment in history. Many lives lost. And a tragic event of hate that took so many people's lives throughout America, Canada, People who were flying from even Europe and places, many people were affected by this. I mean, this isn't our first pandemic. We've experienced, well, history has experienced a pandemic before. Many lives lost. Brutal, brutal. That we didn't have the advances that we have today with our health systems and such. There's a history of civil unrest. This isn't just, you know what, this has happened this year. This, there's a history of this happening, of racism, of hate, of politics being the center of our news and everything. We've had a history of terrific shootings. This is the shooting at Sandy Hook at the elementary school. And we've had tyrant leaders 
Not me personally. That's Adolf Hitler, for those who don't know that mustache. Our world is longing for peace. 2020 is a microcosm of everything that our world has experienced up to this day. And there's this longing and yearning for peace. And usually the Christmas season, this time of year, helps people feel that sense of peace. I mean, even in World War I, in 1914, there was a peace truce that took place. And here's a picture. Oh, there we go. World War I, 1940, there was a peace truce at Christmas, on Christmas Day. Here's a picture of it. So late on Christmas Eve, 1914, men of the British expi- that word, the BEF we'll call it, because that's what I have in parentheses, heard German troops in the trenches opposite them singing carols and patriotic songs and saw lanterns and small fern trees along their trenches. So the messages began to be shouted between the trenches, between the German and the British. And the following day, British and German soldiers met in no man's land and exchanged gifts took photographs, and some played impromptu games of football, a.k.a. soccer, the beautiful game. There's also, they also buried their casualties. There's this day of peace that took place between two fighting nations. And so take solace this Christmas that there will be one day, hopefully, where you and your family can have peace because it happened in 1914. But this is the thing. This year, Christmas, for many, it's not going to be peaceful. Traditions aren't happening that the way they used to, right? You're looking forward to your family traditions, but families are going to have to be separate this Christmas. Some of those things that we're used to, we're not going to be able to do. Getting together, it's not going to happen for a lot of people. For a lot of people, this might be their last Christmas, and it might be their, their, the quietest Christmas that they experience. This time feels more lonely than it should be. Because that's what Christmas isn't about. It's about comfort. It's about peace with us. I would be willing to say this. That the main thing that the world is looking for, that the world is longing for, is peace. Peace has been something that has been, people have been striving for since the beginning. Just that sense of peace within their lives and in their hearts. And as we read our text in Luke, we will see that this is what everyone was waiting for 2,000 some odd years ago. Before we read, let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to open our ears and our hearts to your word, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we can hear these words from Scripture. And Lord, they have the power to resonate in our hearts and our minds. So we pray, Lord, as we, we sit on our couches, Lord, as we're still in our pajamas, and as we are hearing this message, Lord, that our ears would be attentive to what you want to do and say. Lord, we will focus on your presence. And leave this sermon different than when we sat down on our couch. Amen. Luke chapter 2, 8 to 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. In verse 10, there are translations that say this, Behold, I bring you good tidings. And for those who are Charlie Brown Christmas enthusiasts, we've heard Linus belt with his little blankie up on the stage this, this scripture. Behold, I bring you good tidings. What this means, what good tidings means, is the gospel. And so, multitude of angels were literally preaching the gospel to the shepherds at that moment. And this was the declaration of the peace that people would need in their life. Emmanuel, God with us, is finally here. It's finally happened. And the message of Jesus and Jesus in our lives is the peace that we are looking for. These shepherds, 
They were the social outcasts. They were broken people. We think that, you know, they were upstanding people because Jesus was described as the good shepherd, but there's a reason why the word good was in front of it, because shepherds were not so good. They regularly confused thine with mine. They were of such low reputation and untrusted that they were not allowed to give testimony in the court of law because it was untrusted. And so if you were robbed and a shepherd saw you getting robbed and you wanted to bring that shepherd in so they can be a testimony to what had happened to you, they could come in and give the testimony, but it would not be taken because they were untrusted. So in verse 14... When the shepherds are encountered with the word peace, this is huge. This is so huge. Because the shepherds, they were troubled. Living in a troubled world, needed of peace. They needed good tidings. They needed good news. And this word resonates with us right now. I know when I said that word troubled, you felt that. Because it feels troubled right now. It feels rocky right now. Things don't feel so peaceful. Things don't feel like they're going so well. There's good news. The good news of Christmas that we should grab onto. Even the pagans of the first century, this, this world, even the pagans of the first century, first century world, here we go, I'm sounding like Donald Duck, Daffy Duck, whatever it is. That's all, folks. Anyways, even the pagans of the first century world sensed this need for peace and a savior. Epidicus, a first century pagan, expressed this. While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for which man yearned for more than an outward peace. They recognized there needed to be a peace inside of here more than there needed to be a peace outside of the surrounding world. And the Israelites, they thought they were getting a Messiah who would bring peace to their earthly problems. But God knew all people, everyone, was in need of peace within their heart where all earthly problems began. So in Isaiah 9, 1-7, is where Isaiah, he speaks to King Ahazah about the coming of the Messiah. And he calls this Messiah the Prince of Peace. And you know what? The concept of a prince isn't foreign to us. If you go onto the app stores and you see the top-selling games, there are apps, there are games that are the top-sellers that are of kingdoms and of dominions and have this concept around them. For our kids, movies and fairy tales are built around the idea of prince and princesses. We used to have a home full of princes. Then we were blessed with a little princess. And she walks around with her dress. And she wants her boys to look after her and take care of her. She even has a wand that she strikes them with. She's a good ruler. But there's this sense of prince and princesses that we grasp onto. Even as adult, Prince Harry, his wedding, his drew the second highest viewership. Only to the Super Bowl. Amen, America. I'm just kidding. Uh, there is something about kingdoms and marriage that draws us. In these stories of a prince, you always see the prince coming to fight to save his princess, to restore what was taken, to bring completeness to a relationship. And this is the story we see here. Something has been taken from us. Someone needed to come for us. We need a prince to come into human history to take for himself a bride, the church, you and I. The reason this prince needed to come was because something was broken. Something had been broken. Peace was something that had been fractured, had been destroyed. The reason why it had been fractured, and it wasn't because of a bad ruler, it was because our relationship with God had this crack in it, separate. And this is where all the problems begin. Broken relationship with God. And so the Prince of Peace needed to come to bring this, peace with God. The Prince of Peace needed to come to bring peace with God. There was no more peace between God and ourselves. 
when the angel would appear to the shepherd and said, fear not, we think, you know, this is a natural thing to happen. Like if an angel appears, right, all of a sudden while you're sitting on your couch, eating your cereal, watching me, your cereal is going to be flying in the air. You're going to be a little bit afraid. Something just appeared. And so we think it's natural when this angel appears and it says, fear not. But the reason the angel said, fear not, is because up to this point in the Bible, people always experienced traumatic anxiety and fear when they got near to God or even near to the angels who came from his presence. And so this what goes all the way back to the original experience of profound fear described in Genesis 3. There we learn humanity it was designed for this perfect relationship with God in the garden. Now it follows that if you have this perfect relationship with God, the all-powerful, loving Lord, you have no fear at all. And we see that in the garden, right? Adam and Eve, they're walking around communing with God. It just seems so natural. There's, it is, this is the, our creator. This is the one we're meant to be with. They just walk with him, talk with him, have life with him. Not afraid of him or anything else. Before the Paul fall, perfect peace. After the fall, peace destroyed. We see the original plan for the human race to live in perfect harmony with God. That's the original plan, to live in perfect harmony with God. After the fall, separation from God began. After the fall, we experienced fear and rejection. But before we knew we were loved by God. After the fall, a fear of future and circumstances. But before, we knew he was good and we could trust him and we could follow him. You see, the lie of the serpent caused humans to throw off God's rule in their lives and take up their own rulership, to take up their own mantle. The lie caused humans to not trust God, but trust themselves. And in Genesis 3, after they sinned, we see that. So the shepherds experienced this terror before the angels, but it wasn't simply fear of the uncanny. It wasn't the uncanny. Because with every such appearance in the Bible, after the fall, we see this. It's because this, humans were radically threatened by the presence of the holy. When God's glory appears, it always accentuates and intensifies our fundamental fearfulness because we are alienated from God. But the angel came with this astonishing message. And this is huge. This is huge for us to hear right now. You won't have to be afraid anymore if you look at what I'm about to show you. You won't have to be afraid anymore. Look what I'm going to show you. Look where I'm going to lead you to. The fear that inhabits the deep place of our souls can be dispelled for good. And how can it be dispelled for good? Because the angel said, fear not. But look, peace, peace has come. The peace you're looking for. Peace in the Old Testament was described as this, the word shalom. To bring shalom literally meant this, to bring completeness, to make it complete. So Solomon, he brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. He finishes it. It looks good. Or in the Old Testament, if an animal was accidentally damaged by, or accidentally damaged your neighbor's field, so if my animal damages my neighbor's field... You shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. So I go and I say, here is everything for you have lost. Now it is made complete again. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't mean they just stop fighting. That's part of it. But it means this. This is huge. It also means that they start working together for each other's benefit. And so they actually stop fighting. And we think that's what peace means in this world, to stop fighting. But actually what it means is to stop fighting and to come to each other and work with each other for each other's benefit. Now this is complete, perfect shalom. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. They couldn't do it. So the prophet Isaiah, 
He looked forward to a future king, to a future prince who would bring shalom. And his reign would bring the shalom with no end. And when, at that time, when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people, and he would make all things right, and he would heal all that has been broken. And so, we see this first idea of complete shalom in the beginning of Genesis. When God first began to create, he made everything as it was meant to be. And it even said in chapter 2 of Genesis that it is finished. And then we hear it when Jesus is on the cross because, you know, that work was broken in the garden. Jesus comes again and he says, it is finished now. He brings back that shalom. We know how that story in Genesis plays out. We know the fall. There is no longer peace between God and his people. No longer peace in this world. Now, if I can give you a visual of what that looks like, you might have been wondering why I brought the family fun game of Jenga to South Campus here. It's because I've stole it from my kids because they aren't good at it. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) This is what happened in the garden. Here it is, perfect shalom, what God created. It looks good. Sin came in, though, and it took the perfectness of the Jenga tower. Oh, this is, this is sketchy. I'm nervous. This is part of the game. And sin began to remove perfect shalom. And actually, it didn't just remove its sin. At that time, it took it, and it was never to be found again. And so what happened now is that people tried to fix this with, you know what, they felt like the kings, they came, and they tried to make it perfect, but they couldn't. They couldn't. They tried to make it work. But they couldn't. They're trying to make this feel complete, but the relationship is broken. Our relationship with God, it cannot be filled with the things that we try to fill it with. That peace that we're looking for can't be filled by, you know what, trying to do good. But a prince needed to come to save it, to restore it. So, a baby was born, and now there is peace on earth. A baby is born, now there's peace on earth. Like, babies are cute. This is Zion. He's probably, he's really cute. He's just up there chilling. He's like, hey, look at me. He's naked. And so he's, he's pretty happy being on the warm bed and everything. And so they're cute, but, you know, they're not so peaceful at 2 a.m. in the morning. And so what, this baby came now. Jesus came, and this is what he did. He came, Jesus came to bring peace. Here he is, Jesus. He is peace. But it's still not complete Quite yet, Jesus has come. The peace has come. It's here. It's now. Now the pieces, they were gone forever. Now Jesus came and he fulfilled those missing pieces. We don't experience peace just because Jesus was born in a manger. It isn't a byproduct of Christmas cheer or other happy thoughts. Jesus' birth was only a prerequisite to his final peacemaking effort. Even though Jesus is here, our lives still have this fracture. This is how our world is. Even though Jesus has come and he has died, there's this expectation that all should be peaceful. But the main reason Jesus, he came to make peace with us and God was that we accept him so we recognize he is here to fulfill what is broken in our lives already. And that's our relationship with God. So when we accept Jesus into our lives, when we accept the missing piece of Christ, he comes into our lives and he restores that broken piece. See, Jesus needed to come to bring peace. He is here. He's here for all to experience, but you need to accept You need to grab onto that peace. Because the prince needed to come to bring peace to ourselves. The angel, he literally, the angel literally says, Do not be fearing, be perceiving, for I am telling you the gospel. This is the principle that that the angel is saying, Behold, and you won't be afraid. If you take time to comprehend, to behold what is the gospel message, it will remove the fear that has dominated and darkened your life. To the degree you truly behold, 
Do you truly grasp? Do you truly relish? Do you truly eternalize? Do you truly rejoice in the gospel? To that degree, the fears of your life will be removed. They'll be undermined. What is this gospel? What is this good news at which we must gaze? And it's this, a Savior is born. A Savior is born for us, and we can trust in this Savior. He came completely helpless as a baby. He came from the throne to a manger. Who would do that? But he came to fulfill that broken relationship between you and God. You will not find shalom unless we completely surrender and behold the only Prince of Peace, Jesus. So in other words, you become what you behold. You see this transition? We get peace with God. Now there's peace within ourselves. And because we have peace with God, because of being justified by faith, we can begin to grow in the enjoyment of peace with ourselves. Any sense of guilt or anxiety that tends to paralyze us or make us hopeless can now be fulfilled by Jesus, can be fulfilled by Him. Philippians 4, 6-7 is one of the most precious passages in this. It says, Do not be anxious about anything. The opposite of anxiety is peace. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. In other words, roll your anxieties onto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The picture here is that our hearts and our minds, they're under attack. They're under assault. And this is really what we feel today. We feel like we're under attack. We're under assault. We feel like peace is very separate from us right now. We have that relationship with God. That peace has been mended. We just need to come and focus on Jesus. And when we do that, when we focus our eyes on Him, those anxieties, they begin to wither away. What we're feeling right now in regards to our world, they begin to wither away because we recognize the biggest disappointment, the biggest chasm in our life has been fulfilled already. And that is the chasm between us and God. And it's been fulfilled by Jesus. And now we have peace. Guilt, worries, threats, confusions, uncertainties, they all threaten our peace. And we feel that uncertainty, right? Tomorrow, Bonnie's going to make an announcement, and we're just like, what's she going to say? We feel the uncertainty of the announcement. And Paul says that God wants to guard our hearts and our minds. He guards them with his peace. He guards them in a way that goes beyond what humans can understand, what they can fathom. Don't limit the peace of God by what your understanding can see. Don't let it limit you. Don't be like, I can't have peace right now. There's just too much going on. No, we're limiting what he can do. We're limiting the peace that he promised to give within us and within our relationship and what that peace means to us in this time. He can give you peace right now. He can. You can feel it today. And he does it when we take our anxieties to him in prayer and entrust Him, that He will carry them for us. He'll protect us. This is the promise of 1 Peter 5, 7. He'll do that for us. When we do this, when we come to Him, and remember, we already have peace with Him. That biggest, you know, missing Jenga piece in our life has been fulfilled. We can trust Him. We can feel calmness. We can feel him wrap his arms around us. This is what so troubled the shepherds. They couldn't find peace. They couldn't find the answer to their troubled soul. And when the angels came and said, On earth, peace to those who his favor rests, this elated the shepherds, because peace was here. We want to do that this Christmas. We want to take our anxieties to God. We want to tell him about them. We want to ask him to help us. We want him to ask him to protect us. We want to restore peace. And then we need, once we feel that restoration of peace, we need to now go out and make peace. And this is the third and last point. The Prince of Peace came so we can have peace with to others. 
See, once there's vertical peace, peace between us and God, then horizontal peace can begin to be spread. We can't spread out horizontal peace if this isn't right. We need to receive peace, and then we spread peace. Christmas means that though the grace of God, through the grace of God in the incarnation, peace with God is available. And if you make peace with God, then you can go out and make peace with everybody else. And followers, this is, this is really, really huge for us today. This is, I think, a, a word for today, really right now. Jesus tells us in Matthew that his disciples are to be peacemakers. Are we too worried about making sure our agendas or our stances on the election, or our COVID theories, or what direct our conversations. And this might hit home, but this should hit home with everybody right now. Or are we trying to lead people to Christ? This is a good question to ask. Or are we trying to lead people to Christ? Is this the, the predominance of our conversation? We want to help them try to get their vertical relationship right, so that they can begin to spread horizontal peace, so that they can have horizontal relationships that are right and can be affected in a positive way. How about our Christian relationships between believers and believers? One thing that has really disturbed me about this year is the lack of peace between believers. The lack of peacemaking that's happened between brothers and sisters who call themselves followers of Christ. This, this actually really hurts. And I can imagine what it feels to Christ. Do you spend more time arguing with each other about what we are experiencing right now in your theories? Or modeling a Christian relationship of building each other up and encouraging your brother and sister and going out and spreading the gospel because you know what? People are going to be attracted to what they see between Christian brothers and sisters. Listen, I miss gathering on Sundays. I wish you were here with me right now in this building, in this place. And it's huge. But our Sunday gatherings, they do not define our Christianity. There are people out there who are being gravely affected by our current world situation. People who are deprived of peace right now. And what are we doing? Small businesses are closing. Listen, I don't know how many people are dying because of the virus. We can guess numbers. We can say it's this and that. But what it magnifies this, it magnifies a bigger problem, that people are dying not going to heaven, and that sickness is still prevalent in our world. No matter if it's COVID, no matter if it's the flu, no matter if it's cancer, sickness is prevalent. Families are being broken. Hopelessness is, and homelessness is still prevalent. I feel like the enemy is using the politics of the virus to take our eyes off the mission of Christ. Let this resonate. Let's feel this. Because we are worried about our rights written in the Constitution. Listen, I am too. I, we recognize the Constitution gives us rights. But listen, our rights were written long ago, long before the Canadian Constitution was written. Our rights as Christians are found, is found in the Great Commission. To go out into the world. To go into the world and share the gospel. This is how we'll bring peace to our world. This is how we'll do it, with peace to others. As individuals in our current situation, we can still do that. I can't tell you how many great conversations I've had with my neighbors that I don't think I would have had before COVID because it's caused me to stop, reflect, have conversation with them, build relationship with them. I feel like we can go out more into the world. And you're like, what, with all the limitations? I feel like we can. We have this technology. We have close relationships. We have work relationships that we can be very intentional and intimate with. You see, peace can be found this Christmas for all. We as peacemakers are people who, through making peace with God, have finally learned how to admit flaws and weaknesses. And this is huge how to surrender our pride, how to love without need to control every situation. That's what peacemakers do. These new skills, they have enormous power to diffuse conflicts, to facilitate forgiveness and reconciliation between people. We as Christians should be fanning out into this world, being peacemakers, spreading horizontal peace, agents of reconciliation among the races and the classes, among the members of families and between neighbors 
and our neighbor's neighbors. This is what peace is about. Jesus coming to make vertical peace with us and God. We receiving that peace. Then us spreading that peace. I want to do something. I know you're at home. You might feel comfortable in your couch. Let's stand. I'm already standing. So at home, I'd invite you to stand right now. I just want to close in prayer. Standing does this. You might be standing in your living room right now. What it does, it actually connects us. We're doing this in unity. We're standing together. We're participating in what's happening right now. You're participating in what's happening right now. Let's extend our hands as we pray. Heavenly Father, we want to be peacemakers. Lord, for some people right now, they're maybe watching this service, they don't feel like they have reconciled. They feel like there's not peace with them in God. We want to invite you to Accept the peace that Jesus came, our Prince of Peace, our our Savior, our knight in shining armor, has come to fulfill. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I believe in you, and I want to follow you. For many of you, you don't feel peaceful right now. Everything feels like it's a bit upside down. We understand. We all feel what you're feeling. At this moment, we just pray that peace of Jesus would just resonate and pour upon us. That our fears and anxieties, they'll be at the, feet of, at the feet of Jesus. The uncertainties that we face tomorrow, that we just recognize that we can trust in the one who came as a baby. From his, thro- from his throne to the manger for us and let that peace pour upon us. We want to spread horizontal peace. We want to be peacemakers. Lord, we want to focus on you. It's not about what we post on Facebook. It's not about the our maybe theories right now. Lord, it, it's, it's always about you, Jesus, and pointing people to you. Lord, I don't want to lose. I don't want to draw people away from you, Jesus. I want people to experience the peace that I've experienced. I want to spread that horizontal peace to those around me. So we thank you that Emmanuel is here, God with us. And that is the promise, that he will forever be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. Have a great rest of your day. Drop by for a stocking. I can hear Nicole right now. She's handing them out. They're flying off the shelves. So come on down or drop off your filled stocking. Thank you for joining. Have a great day.